Well, of course, the biggest story, uh, arguably, in finance, although there's tons of competition these days, but certainly in the world of crypto, in the world of uh, you know DeFi, that kind of stuff, has been FTX. And it had so many elements. Uh, we talked about this last week in our shocking stat, but anytime you get celebrities involved, like Steph Curry, or you get Tom Brady, of course, has been taking a lot of heat on this, and so many others, though. Shaquille O'Neal is also part of that group. The list was a, a real long one. Uh, and of course, then, of course, you've got uh, allegations of fraud now, the amount of money involved. We've just got to talk about it. And I wanted to go to one of the hosts of Canadian Bitcoiners. It's a podcast, very good podcast that deals with a lot of these issues, you know, obviously in that space. Joey Temprilli is with me right now. Joey, thanks for taking the time with us. Mike, it's my pleasure. Honored to be here with you and your listeners today. You must have been blown away like the rest of us when the news first broke, because we're talking about just a major player in, in the, I know it's, it's broad based, but that space, let's just call it for right now. It's a, it's a huge story. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the space have been Monday morning quarterbacking the incident, the contagion. We saw this coming. We should have done more. We should have done X, Y, Z. I think one thing is safe to say for sure, Mike, this is not the first time this has happened. It will not be the last in all likelihood. And the question is, as an investor, as a Bitcoiner, um, how do you protect yourself? What, what do we do? That's the question we all have to answer now. What about uh, the distinction? I mean, one of the things, um, you know, we've chatted before, and it's sort of a, a, a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And part of that's out of ignorance, the, the, you know, sort of a broad, I know it's a broad statement, but the public doesn't make a big distinction between different types of cryptocurrencies, as an example, or different aspects of it. And I, you know, I mean, the concern is that people say, oh, it's another fraud. It's another, you know, and, and sort of the whole space gets tarred with this. And yeah, maybe we should certainly be more cautious, but I, I'm for, in favor of that for any time you push your money out into an investment side of things. What, what's your take on that? Is this going to take a long time to recover from? Uh, is it recoverable? Some are saying, well, it's never coming back, you know, that kind of thing. This is a really good question. And it's one, you know, we've thought about, I'm sure you've thought about some of your listeners as well. The, the question is, what exactly are we recovering from? We're recovering, in my view, from two things. One is this sort of obvious fraudulent operation that is a crypto exchange with its own native token. Um, there, there's a number of different ways to view these tokens, but generally speaking, as, as a impartial third party, with, without this you know, hope that you're going to get rich on the exchange or off the native token, you would view this as a sort of... Uh, perverse way to raise capital and to inflate your balance sheet, for example. You spin up a token, you you garner support for the token via a, new, a number of ways. You mentioned a few celebrity endorsements, for example, when it comes to FTT and FTX, and then you use that to garner VC interest, et cetera, et cetera, and on the flywheel spins. The other thing, you know, I should say before we move on, the, the, the recovery there is going to be difficult because this is the nature of the beast in many exchanges. The largest exchange in the world, Binance, which is also come to some notoriety for the average investor due to their role in the attempted bailout, for example. They use a similar token on their platform. Um, so this is not a new thing, and it, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, certainly not offshore. The, the bigger question for me is, how do we recover confidence in the ecosystem? I, I'm a Bitcoin guy, Mike, and so I don't invest in crypto. Like you mentioned, the, the idea that Bitcoin is the same as all these other things, I think, is throwing the baby out with the bathwater. But I don't hold that against the average investor for not knowing the difference. They're bombarded constantly by the wrong messaging, messaging that's related to, for example, advertising dollars in FTX's case. You can, you can draw these lines fairly simply. They're, they're not difficult to, to, the relationships are not difficult to, to un uncover. I, I think that people need to realize 
the difference between these crypto tokens and Bitcoin, for example, is that Bitcoin has a link to the physical world in terms of its energy output, energy consumption, hardware needs, um, power procurement needs. There, there's a lot of things that go into the digital asset from the physical world. This is the synergy that really matters. With these other tokens, Mike, whether it's FTT or the Binance token or any number of other altcoins, including Ethereum now, which was the sort of quote unquote direct competitor to Bitcoin up until about uh, you know a month or two ago, these other tokens have no linkage to the physical world. There's nothing required to spin up more of that token. This is a problem because as, as you know, and as your listeners know, scarcity is an important part of value. And where there is no scarcity, value is very hard to come by. And so you wind up with these insane bubbles. Um, and you know, as violent as the upswing was, the, the, there is a match for that violence on the downside. And you're seeing that now with the contagion. So recovering that faith is going to be important. It's, it's a lot to, there's a lot to do with messaging that Bitcoiners have to take advantage of. You know, this is an opportunity for us, I think, to, to get the, the truth out there about the difference between the two assets and see if we can't um, bring some new people into the space. That's a great explanation, by the way, but it's a, such an important one, too, that uh, you shouldn't be just sort of broadband thinking about this. And, and Bitcoin is different uh, than, you know, what happened at FTX. They just make up their own token and people accept it. I mean, just like I'll accept a baseball card as collateral for something or, you know, a piece of art. I mean, we, it's whatever we accept as value, but there's really no underlying value. And I think that's a key component, Joey, you're pointing out there. Uh, uh, the other side is, uh, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a lot of talk about uh, new regulations, uh, you know, governing that sort of side of the space. What's your sort of take on that? Because my worry has always been the government's going to, again, have mistargeted any kind of regulations. I mean, clearly they need regulations, but it's not going to be targeted right on, you know, again, sorry for the cliche, baby gets thrown out with the bathwater. It's the right way to look at it. You know, Mike, yeah. uh, I don't have to ask you what you think about this question, but I'll, I'll say it anyway. Can you think of a time where the solution to a problem was more government regulation or no? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, really, it's, it's not that hard, right? The, 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 problems, the problems with regulation are inherent because governments, governments by nature, I think, are more conservative even than you and me uh, sometimes appreciate. They're slow moving. They're reactionary. This is a good thing 80% of the time, let's say. Mm -hmm. But as we're seeing now... The, these ecosystems are moving at the speed of technology, and they're very, they're, by their very nature, they're extremely difficult to even understand, let alone try and regulate. By the way, Mike, there's you know a number of government organizations that are regulating other other industries exclusively, the SEC and other three letter agencies in the United States, for example, and their kin here in Canada. Asking one of these uh, industries to remove resources from you know mature monolithic capital markets and assign them to what jpeg frogs and ftt tokens and this sort of thing this is very difficult um a very difficult decision to make with capital allocation and human resource allocation that's number one um so i don't know if they'll do it effectively even if they try but the the more important thing to me is can governments around the world get this right and protect investors as they are you know, I think as they are keen to do most of the time, the problem is that with this investor protection veil, oftentimes there's overreach and protection turns into uh, rules for thee and not for me, right? I think about the accredited investor rules, for example. You know, there's some protection there, of course, for the average Joe, but there's a lot of people who would pass the accredited investor test if they were given the chance. Maybe they just don't have the capital, but they spend a lot of time on you know, finances and economics and things like that for their own interest, for their own well-being, because they have to now. 
So when, when I think about consumer protection regulation in crypto, I, I personally would like to see a few things. One, I'd like to see a distinction between Bitcoin and the other tokens because of this linkage to the physical world and, and energy um, use that we talked about before. That's number one. The, the other one for me, Mike, is we need to have uh, rules around what exchanges have to share with their users. There's been a movement in, in Bitcoin and crypto more broadly even in the last week or so as a result largely of the FTX blow up, but this has been you know sort of in the ether for a while. This idea that reserves should prove what they have available to them at any given time. Show me what's in your wallet addresses. Let's see everything, regardless of the token name that you have under your control. And that way we can at least verify that your assets are secure. Now, this doesn't finish the whole, this doesn't go the whole way, right? There's still there's still a few things we'd like to see. One is proof of liabilities. This is a little more difficult, but you know, we gotta take baby steps. And I think for governments to enforce something like that would be pretty easy. Exchanges should do that. It it encourages consumers to use their platform. It's good for both parties in terms of the exchanges and the users. And then governments can say, look, we're doing something. The whole community agrees on this. And then once you make that first step, you start getting into, okay, what should be allowed to trade? What shouldn't be allowed to trade? Is this a security? Is this a, you know, quote unquote, uh, equity plan and not a, an exchange token, for example? There's many different avenues through which government could regulate this space. Let's start small, easy, and on, so on something everyone can agree upon and go from there. You know, it's interesting. Uh, also, one of the clouds, of course, is that um, Sam Bankman-Fried was uh, very skilled at going into government. I mean, he gave $39.8 million in this Democratic or this midterm cycle to the Democratic Party, but obviously lobbying really to the advantage, looking for rule changes that would advantage FTX. You know, I mean, we've got those YouTube pictures of him boldface lying to Congress, but, you know, and pushing <laughs> that agenda. But obviously, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, and I think the third in command there gave money to the Republican Party. You know, uh, I think it was not near, not in that kind of, about 15 million though. I mean, to me, that's still real money. I'm just joking. 15 million, 40, 40, you know. But what I'm saying is the interlock between them and, and politicians is just interesting. Should those uh, major parties, Democrats, Republicans, give that money back because it was clearly fraudulent, you know, clearly coming out of clients' uh, accounts. So, yeah, well, you know, I, yes, I am suspicious of government's ability to do this, but I think your advice is excellent. Don't try and, you know, create the whole universe there. Take steps that everyone agrees on. Here's some things. And I think that would be at least a very big uh, move in the right direction. I, I think you're right. It's interesting you mentioned the election donations. You know, one of the things that comes up in the Bitcoin space fairly often is this institutional adoption narrative. Will companies hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet instead of dollars? You know, some some split of the pie. It doesn't have to be 100% mm -hmm. Bitcoin, though that is the pipe dream of Bitcoiners, I will admit. Uh, you know, the, the question is, when it, when it comes to diligence, Mike, the, the American political giants, the you know, the Democrats and the Republicans, they have a lot of rules about campaign donations. And... They have a lot of rules about diligence when it comes to fiduciary responsibilities for the companies that trade publicly in their capital markets. What I see in both parties, as you mentioned, both recipients of fairly large sums of money. You know, I know we talk about, hey, what's 15 million between friends, but pretty soon you're talking about real money, okay? And so where, where was the diligence from either party when you get a sum of 40 million from a guy named Sam Bankman-Fried, who, as far as anyone can tell, didn't have any real story about where the initial bootstrapping came from for the exchange. Um, has you know a family with yeah, some kind of ties to Gary Gensler. Gensler, are they dubious? Are they not dubious? I don't know. I, I didn't bring my tinfoil hat uh, today, but you know these are, these are things people can look into on their own. 
the question the question remains again the rules seem to be for the or for me i should say not for the the diligence has to be done before i can invest but with open arms mike um the same folks who are you know so keen on telling me that i need protection are taking fraudulent dollars and uh, i think we should all be concerned about that regardless of your political stripes well, you guys on Canadian Bitcoiners uh, are, have no shortage of things to be chatting about. I mean, this is a pivotal thing, but I just mean there's so many other aspects. I'm proud to say that after the Super Bowl, the Goofy Award, that, you know, the very next time was the celebrities recommending, you know, Matt Damon saying only the brave or something, you know, and, <laughs> and as we said, Tom Brady, but, uh, you know, and so Larry David had an ad for FTX, you know, the guy who did Larry David show, what a shock, but also Seinfeld, uh, you know, out there. I mean, that, that to me was a monster problem. You know, that's not Kendall Jenner saying buy my lipstick, buy my, uh, you know, nail polish kind of thing. It was outrageous. And it has really blown up in a lot of people's faces. You look through this whole thing, so many mistakes made, so many cons uh, perpetrated, and it isn't good enough to say, well, if it's, it's okay for Naomi Osaki, it's good enough for me. You know, <laughs> there's got to be some lessons here somewhere. It's, it's interesting, right? That the outsourcing of diligence by a number of parties is a cancer in the financial space at the moment. So let, let's talk about it. You mentioned a few names there. Let's, let's go down the list here and think about who has outsourced diligence and what it means for the average person. I look at the the groups affiliated with Damon, Larry David. Uh, you mentioned Brady, Curry, O'Neill. You know any number of people who had FTX advertising partnerships. Um, you know promoted FTX on different platforms. I even think of Portnoy on Twitter who had the Gemini guys in. You know not FTX, but all the same. You know a lot of people, for better or worse, Mike take trading advice from Dave Portnoy. If the, if you do, fantastic. If you don't. You know, that's probably the better option. But, you know, th th this is all to say that these people were assuming everything was okay. Now, the question is why? And I don't know why, but if it just stopped with celebrities, I would have a laugh about it. You would have a laugh about it. You'd get a goofy award out of it, right? It's good content. But, but the problem is that the outsourcing of diligence didn't stop there. It is all over the place. It's in the Quebec Pension Fund who invested in Celsius. Um, it's in the Ontario Teachers Pension, who, by the way, Mike, I know your listeners know this because you mentioned it. They invested in um, in in uh, FTX not once but twice. Once in once in the Series B raise and once in the Series C at a thirty-two billion dollar valuation. Are you telling me that no one at the Ontario Teachers Pension? Now I don't care about these people who say. Well, it was only 90 million. That's, you know, a drop in the bucket for a quarter trillion dollar fund. I don't, I don't view it that way. What I view this as is an opportunity for people to look at that pension fund, look at that asset management team and say, if you didn't do the diligence on this, what else did you not do the dil due diligence on in the last 10 years? I, you know, one of the things we talked about on our show, Mike, as far as diligence and sort of competency in the financial management realm is that since 2008, 2009, when we started to get QE for the first time and started to see financial conditions, you know, loosen is too soft a word, but the other, you know, the other words are not coming to me right now. But when, when those conditions loosened, we saw a lot of people suddenly become very competent money managers, didn't we? A lot yeah. of people making money, a lot of people doing good work, pensions screaming, uh, endowments screaming, all these things that are generally conservatively positioned. We're making a boatload of cash, Mike. And I would posit to you and your listeners that maybe they're not all that competent after all. Maybe there's a number of other cards that are about to be turned over where due diligence was outsourced to other firms, other people, 
or in some cases, as we've seen in the Sequoia, um, the Sequoia story about FTX and, and Bankman Freed, the guy was playing a video game and they all loved him. If, if that's the person, if that's the team you're sending into the room to decide whether or not to give $100 million to someone, I promise you it wasn't the first time it happened and it wasn't the only time it happened. So let's see, as the contagion continues to spread and conditions continue to tighten, there may be other cards to turn over. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. Well, I think that is a brilliant point, by the way, and I'm really glad you brought it up. I mean, that should not be overlooked because you had people like from the Ontario Teachers Pension Fund coming out when they made the second, as you say, installment with a valuation of $32 billion, literally saying, I can't think of anything safer in this space. <laughs> you had people like Kevin O'Leary, who's got a huge audience you know, in this broad spe- uh, uh, area, saying, you know, he was a paid spokesman, for God's sakes, didn't quite start his, uh, his uh, recommendations. I'm a paid spokesman. So but, uh, it was outrageous. But your point is a key point that where was the due diligence? Where else are they doing this? You know, the list is a long one. And as I say, Joey, you've got a lot to talk about on Canadian Bitcoiners. People can find it on any of the podcasts, the regular stuff, you know, you know, Apple, Spotify, the whole list. And, uh, you know, fascinating stuff. You've done a terrific job and we so much appreciate you finding time. Uh, thanks, Mike. I appreciate you inviting me to the show. And I'll just mention for your listeners, you can see Mike Campbell on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. A few weeks ago, he made an appearance. It was outstanding. Very well received by our guests. So thanks again, Mike. I appreciate you uh, bringing me on today. Thanks, Joey.